Is fundraising a continuous struggle for your school? Do you feel like there's so much more you can do to raise money, but you don't know how to get started? NCEA is proud to partner with Petrus Development to help Catholic schools just like yours raise more money. Through the boat or basic online advancement training, NCEA Premier members are able to access a full library of digital content as well as monthly webinars specifically designed to help Catholic schools just like yours learn the foundational principles necessary to raise more money. If you are a Premier Level member, go to petrusdevelopment.com forward slash NCEA to learn more about this program and get on the boat. Welcome to the NCEA podcast. I'm your host today, Colleen McCoy-Sika, the Director of Professional Learning for NCEA. My special guest today is Bishop Michael Burbage, Bishop of the Diocese of Arlington in Virginia. Bishop Burbage is a Catholic school graduate of schools in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, where he also began his ministry as a priest in 1984. Bishop Burbage holds a BA in philosophy and an MA in theology from St. Charles Borromeo, an MA in education administration from Villanova University, and a doctorate in education from Immaculata College. He's also a board member for the National Catholic Partnership on Disability. Thank you so much for joining me today and welcome to the podcast, Bishop Burbage. Thank you, Colleen. It is very uh, great to be with you uh, and with our listeners and uh, Thanks to you and everyone at NCEA for all that you do to support our Catholic educators, especially uh, during these challenging uh, times that we've been facing. So many thanks to all of you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that, before we jump into any questions, is there anything that you want to share with the listeners about your background? No, we want to keep their attention. So I don't want to bore them with any more about me. <laughs> I think you have an interesting background, but I think some of the questions that we're going to jump into will actually reveal a little bit more about you. So okay. let's just let's just go ahead and get started. Um, I know that you spent your youth as a student in Catholic schools, and you know, spending my life in Catholic schools and and of course my career in Catholic schools, I know that the the impact that um, that our Catholic school environments have on us in our youth that we don't even realize that it's happening really form who we become and the decisions that we make in the future. So can you talk a little bit about the impact that you experienced with Catholic education and how your experience impacted your decisions in both higher education and in Catholic ministry? Sure. Uh, like you, I, I was very blessed uh, to attend Catholic school from uh, kindergarten, uh, absolutely, until I was in the university level. And uh, so what, what a great gift uh, that was for me for so many reasons. And, and like all of us, uh, when we received the gift, uh, we realized that we are, we are to share that gift. I think back about my grade school uh, in, in Philadelphia, the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Uh, I went to a grade school where there were 3,000 kids uh, in the grade school. And we all walked to school. Uh, it was like that height, that close of, of a neighborhood with about 40 sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And, you know, you look back on that, it's like 3,000 kids in, in a uh, elementary school. And 
yet, you know, you felt part of a community. You felt you were known and, and you were loved. And, uh, and that was uh, part of my elementary experience. Uh, my high school was also large. Uh, and it was interesting enough, uh, when I became a priest, I went back to teach at the, at the high school uh, where I graduated uh, from. And that's brave, that, Bishop. That's that brave. was very brave. But you know, at the, <laughs> at the time, Colleen, uh, I was only two years a priest. And I remember the bishop secretary, uh, uh, priest secretary called and said, you know, the cardinal was uh, thinking about uh, sending you to teach at high school. Would you be interested in, in that ministry? And I said, oh, Monsignor, I said, uh, thank you so much for asking that question because that's such a unique ministry. It's an important ministry. One would really have to have a love to do that. And I really have no desire. So, <laughs> so thank you for asking. <laughs> and about uh, a month later, I simply got a letter from the Cardinal saying, you've been assigned to teach at Cardinal yeah. O'Hara High School. I'm like, well, wow. why did, why did they ask, you know? Uh, and I, I, I go back to the fact that, uh, God, God sees in us uh, potential or ability or uh, that sometimes we don't see in ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I never saw myself being uh, maybe uh, an effective teacher or, or the right teacher for the students. But, but God sees things in us and trusts us. Sometimes that he will ask us to do things that uh, we would not ask for ourselves. And I have found that to be true throughout my priesthood. So, you can, as you mentioned in the opening, guess what happened? I fell in love with uh, Catholic education mm -hmm. as, as on that side of the desk. And uh, so much so that uh, I continue uh, to pursue education administration and ended up uh, staying in high school and then serving as a dean and rector of the seminary. And I looked so favorably on those days. Uh, but it goes back to, to God's plan and always be open to uh, to where he he would lead us as a bishop, uh, it's 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 my uh, one of my highest priorities and goals uh, goals uh, because of my love and passion for Catholic education uh, to uh, in fact is part of one of our pillars uh, moving forward in our strategic plan uh, to make Catholic education more available, more affordable uh, for as many uh, families as possible. And I know that's a challenge. Uh, across the country, mm -hmm. uh, but yet it's one that we have to pursue. You know, it's interesting. So, you know, listening to your story, I I love your story. Actually, you were just voluntold to go teach at the high school. It's not something you volunteered for, but it, but you were called. Literally, you were called to go and teach. Um, you know, <laughs> many of us think that we are answering the call to teach or to lead and. For me, once I uh, left college, I, my first teaching job was actually in a public school. And I was so distraught um, about what I experienced during that first year of teaching. And I, I can't, you know, I never could put my finger on why I felt discombobulated. I felt out of place. But I was, I was educated 14 years in the Archdiocese of Chicago. And I did not realize that that just, it became, Catholic education became part of the fiber of my being. And so when I left that public school after my first year of teaching and I thought, boy, I just spent a lot of years in college training for something that was a disaster. I, I don't belong there. And then I um, ended up 
moving and, and took a long-term subposition in a Catholic elementary school in Indianapolis. And once I walked into that Catholic school, I realized it wasn't that I made a mistake in my career choice. I made a mistake in where I was teaching. And so I, I changed to Catholic school and it felt like I was going home. I didn't even know that I missed it until I was there and I thought, ah, this is where I belong. So it's part part you of know. your identity, right? And, yes. Uh, mm -hmm. And certainly uh, uh, such a, it's a calling, like you mentioned, it's a, it's a powerful vocation that, uh, God, as we know, loves his children, and so he wants them to be loved and formed and, and taught, and, and what a privilege to assist parents. Uh, we know they're the first teachers of, of their children, but what a, uh, a powerful, beautiful vocation our Catholic educators have uh, to, to every day assist parents in the formation, education of their children. And I've said, you know, especially with what we've been through with the COVID situation and what, how our Catholic schools have been shining uh, throughout our country this past year, it could only have been done uh, by educators who had a vocation, uh, who yeah. had a passion. It's the mm -hmm. only way we could have accomplished uh, what we did, keeping our schools open and being flexible and above all, keeping our students safe and healthy, uh, keeping our parents, you know, calm as, as, as we worked with them. Uh, and, and so since I'm on your podcast, it's, it's just a great opportunity for me just to say how proud I know my brother bishops and I are of our Catholic educators throughout our country. Yeah, what an accomplishment that we, you know, as a collectively, um, you know, in Catholic education throughout the country, this really is a proud moment for all of us. So thank you for saying that and pointing that out. I was recently talking to a theology teacher at Villa Joseph Marie High School in, I think, Holland, Pennsylvania. It's yes. part of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. It is. And he, um, he was talking about uh, the way he brings improv into his classroom and into leadership, and he does some leadership training too. And he said the one of the five lessons of improv that you have to bring into your life is to say yes and. So whether you're doing an improv, you know, uh, an improv, you know, uh, skit in entertainment or in life or, you know, with everyone, you, you just, you say yes. And, and I right. think that's what we do in the call of Catholic education. We're always saying yes. And what more can I do? How that's else can right. I serve? So exactly right. <laughs> I love how this all ties together. Yes. Okay. So dioceses do things quite differently. And, and, um, I know that you have been in a few different dioceses. You you lived and worked in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, and then you moved to the Diocese of Raleigh in North Carolina, and now you've been in Arlington since 2016. So, you know, having those different perspectives and different experiences, what what can you say is unique about your ministry, or in, or what's unique about Catholic education in your current diocese that's different from the others? Yeah, as you said, there's so many common denominators which we, we celebrate. The fact that uh, in our schools we can teach the faith uh, uh, every single day, uh, teach the truth in love without compromise. Uh, we can stop a school day for Mass or Stations of the Cross and so to have religious symbols. And we know all the advantages, and that's consistent throughout three dioceses in which I served and dioceses uh, throughout our, uh, our country. But you're right, uh, no diocese is the same, uh, no situation is the same. 
uh, I went from the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, which is, is such a strong and uh, uh, foundation in Catholic education, and through the years, uh, you know, built up many, many schools. And so when I first went to the uh, Diocese of Raleigh, uh, you know, my, it was a little bit of a culture shock uh, because the, there were fewer schools and they were geographically uh, further further apart. And, uh, and and yet they serve the need uh, for uh, that congregation that 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 faithful there and uh, and basically uh, when I visited the schools uh, the high school and the uh, uh, parish schools it, it it reminded me so much of, of Philadelphia and it, it's the same thing in Arlington so I think rather than differences I actually have come to appreciate. Uh, the universality, the the, mm. the things that we have in common. Mm. One thing that it was extremely, uh, somewhat new to me, and, and very proud of uh, uh, to see when I came to the uh, diocese of Arlington, and we we are striving uh, with as much zeal as possible to to build upon this, is that uh, the diocese of Arlington already had in place uh, what we re- often refer to as the options program. Mm-hmm. where uh, our students with learning disabilities and other uh, disabilities are not only admitted or enrolled in school, uh, they are immersed in the school. They're included in every aspect of the school and, uh, and have mentors, uh, other students serving as mentors, specialized teachers, and are just very naturally a, a part of of the school and it, in, 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 in the other diocese I served in, that that was certainly a goal also and uh, and, and was present. But uh, Diocese Arlington had, had made great strides in that area, uh, and I I am so so uh, overjoyed. And, and as you as you would well know, it's it's the students uh, with some disabilities uh, who light up the school. Uh, who are such a gift and treasure to us, and as as the other students tell me, uh, they bring out the best in, in all of us. So mm-hmm. in our new strategic plan here, uh, our goal, and, and we're working hard to achieve it, uh, is to make sure right now all four of our high schools uh, have such programs. Uh, I think close to 13 of our uh, other schools do, but uh, we want every school uh, to be able to uh, open the doors to families uh, and, and uh, students uh, with the with the disabilities, uh, and it's I know it's it, it requires resources both financially and personnel, um, mm-hmm. and but it's it's certainly uh, something that I believe as a Catholic school uh, that we should be aiming to do in all of our schools. And I agree with you. And this is, you know, one of my areas of of passion too. Um, I love how you talk about the way inclusion is, you know, kind of part of the culture there in your diocese. And, you know, I feel like still, um, even here we are in 2022 and inclusion programs are hit or miss, you know, uh, around the country. Now I I do know, and I, I can tell you, Statistically, um, you know, there are children in every single school, in every single classroom across the country that have learning disabilities. The question becomes, how are schools putting 
structure and supports around those students to make sure that they are excelling um, in, in that's, that's a whole other conversation. So the fact that you have really um, programs and resources and, it, and it's part of the, the strategic plan, it's part of the culture, um, I, I just really admire that and it makes my heart very happy because that's part of the work that I do as well. Uh, so thank you for mentioning that. Thank you for your ministry in that area. So, and Bishop, so that, that's actually how you and I met. I, I met you at um, an NCPD um, board meeting about a month or so ago. And, um, you know, and that's when I started learning a little bit more about your background. And so I'm very curious, um, your, your bishops are always very busy. Um, so when you agree to be on a board for an organization like the National Catholic Partnership on Disability, the mission of the organization must be significantly important to you. So I'm very curious what your story is. What draws you to the NCPD board? Well, it, it is funny that you say that because I uh, had just completed my term as the uh, chairman of the USCCB Committee for Communication. And as that term was coming to an end, because I'm, I'm also on a, a, a few other boards and committees, uh, when my term as chairman was coming up for the USCCB, I promised my staff, I said, I promise you, I will not join another committee. <laughs> I will not join another board. And they wanted me to sign something just to, <laughs> to make sure that that would be the case. And would you not know, about a few days after that, Archbishop Kurtz, who had been serving on the board in that capacity, who is a good friend of mine, uh, after five years, was, was and he was retiring, uh, was looking for his successor. And Archbishop Kurtz, I think, knowing uh, my commitment here in, in Arlington to what we just discussed, uh, uh, said, you know, I would ask you to do me this, you know, this favor, because uh, I want to make sure I leave you know, the board with having my successor in hand, and I would like you to, you know, commit to serve on the board for, for five years. <laughs> now, knowing what I just promised my, my staff, I was oh. like, this, <laughs> this is not great timing. But if you know Archbishop Kurtz, he's one of the uh, nicest uh, bishops, nicest gentlemen, a good friend of mine, I just could not say no to Archbishop Kurtz. Uh, but even more importantly, it's because, as you said, um, I, I believe in the mission, uh, and the mission, Colleen, as you uh, mentioned earlier, uh, you know, the mission of this board is to recognize uh, every child, uh, every human person, as created in the image and likeness of God, um, and for us to uphold uh, that not only the reverence for life, but also the dignity and respect uh, deserving of every child of God. And uh, to seek ways, uh, new ways uh, of, of reflecting uh, that reverence, that dignity, respect, uh, by making sure our Catholic schools uh, are able to uh, assist families and students uh, in, in, in the various, with the various disabilities they have, and allowing them to find in our Catholic schools uh, the, a home uh, where children know they are loved and supported and are, are truly, truly part of the community. Uh, and so the more I learned about the board and, and its work and its future goals, uh, it's a mission that, uh, for which I have great passion. So actually, 
uh, I'm, I'm very honored and uh, uh, humbled uh, to be part of the board and to be working with uh, great people like yourself uh, in, in this mission. I, and I agree with you, like this is a powerhouse of people that, that we're walking beside here on this board Truly. and it is very humbling and, and it's such an honor. I feel exactly the same way. Like what, what is little old me doing on, on this board? Because the, the vision that they have, the impact that they can have on a national scale is so incredible. So it's, it really is exciting to be part of it. So, and I'm glad to be working with you on that board. It's very exciting to meet everyone. And I wouldn't be doing my job unless I uh, told your listeners that I recently uh, wrote to all the bishops of the country and asking them to uh, have a, a, an affiliation with the board, uh, a, a membership, uh, which you know would help to provide our schools with resources. And uh, it comes at a, a you know with a fee, but one that's very manageable and reasonable. So. Uh, uh, hopefully, uh, I, I would love to get to the point where we can say every archdiocese and diocese has an affiliation uh, with our board. Right. Yes, and right. How's that, how's that, how's that for a commercial? <laughs> yes, Pretty good. And. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, so you mentioned a fee. Yes, you know, it's a, again like a partnership organization. So what's in it for you? Well, you know, I feel like the resources that are being developed by this board are incredible and beneficial yeah. to everyone. You know, you you will get something out of it if you are if you are um, you know part of part of the group. So. Yeah, thank you so much for mentioning that and for taking the time to reach out to your brother bishops and, and do the ask. That's so important. The leadership, uh, getting behind this piece of our Catholic mission is so important. So thank you. Sure. Thank you. So it is Lent and um, Lent is a time of reflection. This is the time when, um, you know, often Catholics use this season to weed out bad habits, to try to put some good habits in place, focusing on virtues, or even making sacrifices to remind us of the importance of the season. And I'm wondering if you can just share some wisdom with our listeners to bring focus to the season of Lent. Sure, thank you. Uh, and we began Ash Wednesday by uh, the Lord himself reminding us uh, not to be gloomy uh, during this sacred season of Lent. Uh, it's, a, in a sense, a joyful it's a, it's a grace-filled season uh, in which we hear anew the call to day-to-day, -day, uh, the lifelong process of conversion and of transformation. And uh, it, it all begins with humility, uh, to humbly acknowledge before the Lord uh, the areas uh, in our lives uh, that we know are not of God. Uh, that still need to be healed, that still need to be transformed and in this graceful season to, to, to root that out uh, so that at Easter uh, we truly are a new creation uh, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And, and the Lord uh, doesn't leave us alone. He, he gives us the, the path uh, to participate in that process and he gives us the time-tested, the, the proven uh, spiritual disciplines uh, that help us that uh, we hear the saints talk about all all the time uh, a, a renewed commitment uh, to prayer uh, to uh, being with the Lord to slowing down uh, to allowing that extra time to to be silent and to be still and and and, and also as we heard in yesterday's gospel in prayer uh, to listen 
to listen to the Lord. Uh, it, it's not us uh, doing all the talking. Uh, it's not telling us, the Lord, what we're going to do for him, but listen to him and, uh, and, and hear him telling you, reminding you what he has done for you, what he wants to do for you. Uh, and, and fasting uh, is, is that uh, just a, a great opportunity just to be reminded uh, that we're, the things of this world that so often consume our time and our energy we chase after, uh, we end up realizing it's never going to be enough. That it's never going to satisfy or fulfill our deepest hungers and, and thirst. Uh, uh, and so when we fast, when we, we, we give up something or we leave behind something, there's, there's not going to be a void in our lives. God's going to fill that space that, that we've created uh, with the new graces and, in, and the new blessings and the gifts uh, that we need. And, and that sense of almsgiving, uh, I'm sure all of your listeners uh, as individuals, as families and as parishes, especially what we've been through uh, these past two years, have, have been extraordinary in, sh in sharing their, their time and talent and resources to help uh, people who are in need, uh, uh, knowing that whatever we do for others, we do for, for Christ himself. Uh, and yet, even as of as of today uh, and even yesterday in, in his word, God is reminding us that during this Lenten season, perhaps one of the best ways to participate in almsgiving, uh, one of the best things we can offer or give to others is our forgiveness, is our forgiveness. Uh, that uh, if we have been hurt or wounded uh, or, or disappointed or even betrayed by, by someone, if we hold on to uh, bitterness or anger, uh, it's going to be an obstacle uh, to the peace that the Lord wants to, us to celebrate at Easter. So he's telling us, forgive. No one knows all the circumstances of someone's life or can see deep within someone's heart. Only the Lord can. And so he says, you know, stop judging, stop condemning, be merciful as your heavenly father is merciful. And, it, you know, if, if, if any of us are, and it's, it's not always easy to do, it's, it's, it's hard to do, uh, but the Lord asked us to do it. And so he wouldn't ask us unless he knew it was possible. And so he gives us that, that grace and strength. We just look at his example, right? Uh, how he forgave uh, those who betrayed, denied, and, and, and killed him. We think of how many times he has forgiven us. And I often say, if you're having a hard time forgiving someone, just pray the Our Father for that special intention. Just give us our trespasses as we have uh, also forgiven those uh, who have hurt us. So um, I, I would say, in the, you know, those time-tested uh, disciplines of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving will make for a beautiful Lent, but only if we do so humbly, knowing that we can achieve nothing on our own, uh, but only with the grace and, and mercy that God offers to us. So Bishop, as you're talking, I'm you know taking notes for myself, thinking about, you know, these are things I'm going to be reflecting on in adoration. <laughs> I'm so appreciative of your wisdom, but you know, really pointing out some of these Lenten gospels do 
they kind of state the obvious sometimes, right? And it's, yes. it's just a reminder to us that if we get in touch with the things that we we just are supposed to be doing naturally because they are the right thing to do. Forgiving, being humble, not judging, listening. These are all the reminders of, of the things that, that we need to be practicing throughout the season, but also throughout our lives. But, you know, I, I feel like, you know, listening to just the, the last part of what you were saying there, um, what it made me think of is that how we handle the hard things in life is really a measure of our character and how we respond to things. And that's what we, that's what keeps us humble because none of us responds perfectly a hundred percent of the time. And there's always this piece of ourselves that we're humbly working on to improve the way we respond to the hard things in life. So thank you so much for that reflection. It was beautiful. Sure. Thank you. So Bishop, that, that kind of brings us to our close here. Um, I, do you have any closing comments that you'd like to make to the listeners before we wrap up? No, just uh, first of all, to uh, again, thank you and everyone at NCA for your ministry, uh, to thank our, our parents of, of our students and our Catholic schools for the trust that you have in us, for giving us the privilege of assisting you. And again, uh, just profound uh appreciation to all of our Catholic educators for the beautiful vocation that you live out day by day, each and every day, out of love for God and out of love for his children. So I just ask God's blessings upon uh, you, Colleen, and upon everyone at NCA and uh, upon all your listeners that this sacred season of Lent uh, will be filled with abundant spiritual gifts and blessings uh, leading us uh, to the uh, glory of Easter and the victory, the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus. Thank you so much. It has been my pleasure to get to know you. And um, I want to thank Bishop Burbage for joining me today. I'm so appreciative of your time, Bishop. And thank you to our listeners from all of us at the NCEA podcast. Thank you, colleagues.